Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. When I walked into uh, NBC Stanford this morning with my new aerodynamic card, yeah. walked in and see all the televisions. Walking briskly. Yes, and you see all the televisions and you come in and I yes, see sir. you on the television, on Dan Patrick, screaming. Just screaming and yeah. pontificating, waving your arms. Also in Where's different that clothes. Energy on our show? Yeah, Where's different that? clothes. Well, I, I did. I dressed down for us. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to up for DP. Uh, really enjoyed the show. I was screaming because he was just like, he's like, I kind of think Michael Thomas could be a thing this year. I'm like, no. <laughs> you listen to Jay Croucher. <laughs> Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. It's Wide Receiver Day. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, Jay Croucher. Holding on to uh, the Michael Thomas hope still, Jay Croucher? No, I'm completely off You know what's what's great? I have to tell you, this is so great. So Jay, who actually has been defending Michael Thomas for so long. Literally months. Literally months. He's literally the only guy. And... He like he then eventually comes around to like you know I, Michael was a, an amazing player awesome but it just you know injuries have caught up to him he's finally come around to what you and I have been saying for a long long time but because that clip went out now people are tagging Michael Thomas <laughs> on Twitter for and he's sure. getting all the hate for like how dare you hate Michael Thomas <laughs> yeah. where like you're the only guy that's yes. actually been defending him for so long well the beauty of this is the way I've played it I've just received hate on both ends of the spectrum <laughs> yeah, when I liked win. him you I was win. ridiculed. And now when I don't like him, I'm also ridiculed. ridiculed. And yeah. there's like a 12% chance Michael Thomas is going to tweet at me now. Yes. so many people are tagging me well, and Michael Thomas well, together. And, and by like the this way, Australian I mean, bloke and, hates you. And Michael Thomas, yes, this is true. And Michael Thomas is one of those guys that does read Twitter. <laughs> like he he is, will respond. He will absolutely right. do. He has done this before. Like he is, he is blocked. I've seen him block like other fantasy analysts, other NFL, uh, you know, personalities when they have said something somewhat negative. That's you know? Like I remember, uh, I remember... I tweeted something very positive about him, you know, like, you know, how ridiculous his season was or something like that. And I think, like, he liked it or, you know, retweeted <laughs> it or something like that. So, anyway, I love – I think the important part here is that everyone on Twitter who can't agree about anything, they all hate Jay for his Michael <laughs> yes. Thomas take. Yes. yes. And it doesn't Mike, matter which Michael Thomas take it is. The Michael Thomas supporters are trying so hard for him to see you <laughs> yeah, leaving the Michael Thomas bandwagon while everyone else in the fantasy community was begging you to stop yeah. hyping him up. Yes, correct. So, sorry. Well done, know. Twitter yes. or X. Great job. All well right. Well done. As we said, it is wide receiver day here. We got our wide receiver primer. We're going to go through tiers. We're going to go through draft strategy and obviously how to attack it for your roster. But before we do, get the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code Barry20 for 20% off at checkout. As always, you could use J10 if you are a Michael Thomas fan, although I don't know anymore, or Connor5. Let's jump right into it here, fellas. Listen, let's go into Tier 1 because obviously a lot of yeah. round one wide receivers this year, especially as zero running back continues to grow in popularity. 
I think the question with this tier, Barry, as we pull it up here, is basically how many wide receivers are you comfortable taking in the first round? We know Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are the headliners, but how about when it turns to Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and even maybe Amon Ross St. Brown? Yeah, I mean, I have all of them. So based on my rankings, the guys that I'm willing to take in the first round are six wide receivers. Justin Jefferson, obviously, uh, proud FantasyLife.com investor Jamar Chase, a little Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, ride or die Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Adams, and C.D. Lamb, eights, as I call them. Only I call them that, me and eights. Uh, those are the guys. But honestly, like, there are other guys that, like, if you drafted, you know, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave at the end of a 12, you know, the end of a first round in a 12-team league, I'm not looking at you going, like, what were you thinking with those guys? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're um, – but, but for me, uh, those are the six that I think I feel comfortable taking in the first round. But, I mean – Six is a lot and more than most most uh, years. Cup, I think, is the strangest one in a lot of ways because he was the number one wide receiver last year on a points-per-game basis, yes. and he's coming off his last full healthy season in 2021, which was arguably the greatest wide receiver season of all time. He's, still, he's 30, so he's getting a little bit older, but still should be young enough. He's not super reliant on you know, leaping ability or outrageous right. speed. But at the same time, there's just so many bad vibes around the Rams. He was injured in the preseason as well. Injured in the preseason. And also, it's the type of thing where I don't think that team's going to be in playoff contention. So if he's got a little niggling ankle injury and they're in the mix for a top five pick, then maybe he just doesn't play the last few weeks, which could be the fantasy playoffs. So I don't know. I think if if you can guarantee me 17 games of Cooper Cup, then I think he might be the number one player in fantasy, just about, and certainly in that range. But I don't know. It's a very, it's awkward hitting submit on on the cup button. I am at wide receiver three, to your point. I mean, this is somebody who last year, even in a limited time, right, he missed games. He scored more points than DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, and Juju Smith-Schuster, who all played 16 or more games. His eight full games last year, 33% target share. He had over 25 fantasy points in five of those eight games. And to your point, I mean, they just – it's still going to be a passing offense under Sean McVay. Matthew Stafford didn't come back to hand the ball off. And, like, he's all they got. So, I mean – Again, we talk about massive target share for guys like Devontae Adams, for Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, Cooper Cup is going to get, you know, a 30% target share, if not more. And so, I think the talent, I, again, because of the, the age thing, I have, him, I have Jefferson and Chase, who I think are safer ahead of him. But, yeah, I love Cup this year, and I, don't, I do think he's not getting talked about nearly enough. I like, Connor, the fact that Jay is expressing injury concern on Cooper Cup, but was defending <laughs> Michael Thomas for months and months and months and months. Well done, On Jay. the other side, your spot. Yeah. Well, I'm a hater. Let's look at Tier 2 because we briefly touched on Tier 2 here. Um, obviously, plenty of options in this tier that also could be round one picks, as Barry said. Ryder Die, Monroe St. Brown is there, but Monte Adams, C.D. Lamb. I mean, this is a beefy tier here, Jay, loaded with talent. Who would you say sits in this tier that you think comfortably could finish the season and you look at it and go, man, that guy should have been a Tier 1 player? I think people are sleeping a little bit on Devontae Adams, and I realize that he has the injury concern as well, but he finished last year as wide receiver three. And it's not like he had an amazing quarterback situation. Derek Carr didn't have a great year. And I think just, again, on that team, it's not quite to the same extent as Cooper Cup on the Rams, but, I mean, he's all they've got, really, in terms of elite passing option. Darren Waller no longer there either. And just with just the sheer amount of targets and the talent and the touchdown equity, I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Adams replicates last season. You know, it's interesting. When you were saying Devontae Adams, I thought where you were going to go was Devontae Smith. And I think he's really interesting. A lot of these guys, we've talked about St. Brown, obviously, a ton. Garrett Wilson, uh, Jalen Waddell, Chris Olave. We've talked about all those guys, A.J. Brown as well. Um, 
but two guys at the end of this tier, T. Higgins and Devontae Smith, we haven't talked about that much. And Smith, I think, is fascinating to me. Starting in week, like he just had a bad week one last year, for whatever reason. Just, he just he didn't show up really in week one. But starting in week two last year, from that point forward, he's the 12th best wide receiver in fantasy football. He had a 27% target share, like on one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL. And we expect, because uh, the Eagles' schedule is much harder this year, we expect uh, defenses to have, you know, defense coordinators are all like, okay, how do we prepare for Jalen Hurts? They weren't really prepared that much last year. So my expectation is, is that the games are going to be more competitive for the Eagles this year, so they're going to have to throw more. I mean, they were running so much in the second half last year because they were just up. They were just killing teams. So uh, I think Smith is really interesting. Uh, I am at wide receiver 14, but you could easily see him sneak into the top 10 if not more so. I mean, he finished last year as wide receiver nine, which I think goes a little bit under the radar because of the year that Hurts had. A.J. Brown had a better season as well. But, I mean, he was a top ten wide receiver on a team that basically never had to throw the ball in the second half. Uh, so, yeah, he could, he could have a massive season. On a points-per-game basis, wide receiver nine? No, just wide receiver nine overall. Oh, really? PPR, okay, yeah, That's what I've got. Okay. Yeah. My scoring is slightly different, but whatever. Either way, he's very good. This much, yes. we, but we agree that he's very good. Let's dive into Tier 3, because now you get into the conversation, guys. Say you start out your draft, and you're like, I have to have Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey. And then there's another running back or even a quarterback you like in Round 2. How long, Barry, can you realistically wait before you take that first wide receiver for your team? And is that cut off somewhere in this group of Tier 3? It's not. Like, I don't – I would be nervous having right. one of these guys in Tier 3 as my wide receiver one. I think you want – at least, especially given the depth of running back, which we talked about on yesterday's show, the depth at quarterback that we've talked about, where those guys go. Like, I think it's important that you have at least a tier one or tier two wide receiver as your wide receiver one. So, like, um, and even I'd be a little nervous with like T. Higgins or Smith as my wide receiver one. I think they're great wide receiver two. So, this list here, tier three, as we look at it Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, and Amari Cooper. Very solid uh, tier three. But I don't think I'd feel comfortable with any of these guys as my wide receiver one. They all have question marks, right? right. I mean, you know, is this the Keenan Allen? Is this the year that Mike Williams overtakes him, right? DK Metcalf, um, Tyler Lockett was better than him last year, right? I mean, like, so, uh, and, and what does JSN do that offense as well? Debo, we've talked a lot about IU. You know, Calvin Ridley, we love Calvin Ridley, but he's been out of football for quite some time. Um, and so there's just, every, as you go down that list, there's just, you know, Question marks here. Amari Cooper, tons of questions, obviously, about uh, Deshaun Watson, wide range of outcomes for what he does here. Um, but I'll just I'll talk about Ridley here for a, a second here. He's had 34 career games where he's gotten at least six targets. He averages 18.7 fantasy points per game. I think we all agree Trevor Lawrence is going to take a step forward um, uh, this year after a very good year last year. But, you know, it's going to be a pass-first Offense. They went out. They got him. The training work, training camp reports are off the charts. The buzz is palpable. But my question for you guys is: is like we haven't seen this guy play, and the last time we saw him play, he was crushing for a very bad Falcons team where he was really the only guy. And now he comes to a team where there's a lot of mouths to feed. How comfortable are you guys with Ridley as your wide receiver too? I think wide receiver two, as long as you've gotten one of the elite guys before him, is fine. But he probably has the widest range of outcomes of any wide receiver, I can imagine. Because, I mean, he could be a top seven wide receiver this season. He also might just not be any good anymore because we haven't seen him in so long. So I think Ridley is very high variance. Another guy I think is hugely high variance is Debo Samuel, who is going Mm -hmm. a little bit under the radar. In 2021, which is only two years ago, Debo was wide receiver three, and yeah, he missed great. time and also played hurt towards the end of the season. And I think on talent, he's a 
to me, clearly a top 10 wide receiver in the sport. And it's just all about, well, how much are Kittle and Ayuk and McCaffrey to an extent, how much are they going to take away from him? But because he has, I mean, he has the upside to be a, a top five wide receiver. Right. And the other thing, though, the other, and McCaffrey's the biggest key there because a lot of what fueled that wide receiver three season was he was getting rushing attempts. Yep. Like he, they were using him in the goal line. Like, like they were, you know, they were doing, yeah, right, yeah. right, exactly. So, so that's hot. the fact is, is so, so a lot of the versatility that Debo brought, they now have a McCaffrey. And do they want to just say, okay, you know, we don't want to put that wear and tear on you, and we'll do it maybe once, once a game, twice a game, something like that. But the, the usage that we saw two years ago and even someone in the first half of last year, candidly, before they got McCaffrey, um, how much did that continue, Connor? I think there, you wonder there's an element here where the Niners obviously always in contention, a lot of talent. It feels like almost load management with Debo could yeah. be a very real thing. I mean, there's going to be weeks where, hey, we got to have this game. We're going to be force-feeding Debo. But I feel like there's also weeks where they really will sit back and be like, we don't want to put a lot of snap count on this guy. And in fantasy, that scares you. I mean, it scares you a lot where his ADP is right now. Yeah, and that team is going to be, I think, extremely matchup dependent, where there are just going to be weeks where Debo is kind of unsighted because the matchup is just better with Kittle or with Ayuk or with McCaffrey as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And I think it's just going to wax and wane, where Debo is probably going to have a week where he ends as wide receiver one this season. Uh, But you just never know which week that's going to be. Let's jump into Tier 4 because his teammate, Brandon Ayuk, sits in this tier. And, Barry, he's a fascinating player to me because he's always had the top-notch talent, now looks to be really hitting his stride. And, obviously, the Niners, now that Brock Purdy's healthy, gives you probably a little bit more confidence for Ayuk's season as well. He's going in the ninth round over on ESPN. And this is a guy who, from Week 6 on last year, was a top-15 wide receiver in fantasy points per game. He tied for the team lead in red zone targets. Uh, seems to be a connection with him and Brock Purdy as well. And so I think you can make an argument, as much as we all like Debo Samuel, I think you can make a strong argument that Brandon Ayuk at cost exactly. is actually a better pick if you want to invest in the 49ers passing attack here. But there's a lot of great names here in this Tier 4. Mike Williams, who, who I'm high on, uh, who made the love-hate list, right? Then Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, Christian Watson, Drake London, Deontay Johnson, who has to be better, who absolutely has to be better um, uh, than he was last year. I think that offense takes a step forward, as we talked about, and just positive regression. Chris Godwin uh, is is it comes in comes in next. Terry McLaurin, my commanders, Ayuk, and then Tyler Lockett. And honestly, I think I'm too low on uh, Tyler Lockett, guys. I'm too low on Tyler Lockett. I need to change that. The forever slept on yeah, Tyler Lockett. It's truly amazing. And, and um, you know, I mean, Godwin, I think will be you know like Baker Mayfield is. Baker Mayfield will be able to get the ball to Chris Godwin. I get, Jarvis Landry had a number of productive fantasy seasons with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. Yep, I like that. Connor, who do you like more this year, Christian Watson or Drake London? Honestly, it might be Drake London just because of the fact that really? he had, he had okay. nothing with Mariota last year, yep. and you see the talent when they finally kind of ripped the cord out of that one. This guy was the eighth overall pick in the yep. draft. I think Christian Watson is an explosive player, but I think he's still a little bit raw in contested catch situations yeah. down the field. That's London's calling card, and... This isn't about Christian Watson versus Drake London either or, right, as the player. It's about the situation. Drake London has to be the guy getting the targets in the offense, an offense that we're already concerned about Kyle Pitts' involvement. It's about Drake London in that offense. See, see I, it's so weird. I agree with you in that the, it's, a, it's not about necessarily the talent, talent versus the talent. It's about opportunity. But I actually argue that Watson has the better opportunity. So you like Drake, Jordan Love? Well, well, just it's not that I like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love will be – I think the worst case for Jordan Love is Desmond Ritter. Like, I think there's a That's chance fair. Jordan Love is good. That's fair. But I think at worst, it's even. 
And at best, I think Watson will have the better quarterback. I think it'll be a more aggressive offense in Green Bay. You know, they'll pass it more than, than Atlanta wants to. And actually, I'd rather, if I'm, you know, when I look around target competition, like, I'd rather have a guy that has to only has Romeo Dobbs and, you know, uh, whatever, uh, Jaden Reed and, and uh, Luke Musgrave. You know, you, so you got two rookies and a, you know, whatever, a fourth-round pick who, you know, was inconsistent last year right. versus Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson. Right, I mean that's who Drake London's got to compete with for touches in that offense. So I, that's I just actually think Watson's got less. I think he's potentially got a better quarterback situation. I think he's got a more aggressive offense, and I think he's got less target competition. Yep, would I be think, my take. I think Drake London is probably a little bit just better than Christian right, well, Watson. Yeah, potentially, yeah, but yeah, but and I'm not with, debating that. No, no, right. But the thing with Christian Watson that was really interesting to me last year is that he got targeted a ton in the red zone, which I didn't really expect out of his player profile. But he had 14 targets in the red zone. The only guy yeah. in the Packers who had more was Alan Lazard, who's not there anymore. So. Right. Just Rogers using him as a red zone weapon was really interesting, and if Jordan Love is going to use that, use him in the same way, then all of a sudden he has a lot more upside. Let's jump into tier five, and Jay, I want to ask you this: all the talent we've gone through throughout these tiers, are you comfortable going into a draft and just starting by taking three or four wide receivers in a row? I mean, obviously we're talking zero RB approach here, but with this level of talent, where's your comfort level with that strategy? Yeah, I think when you get further down the running backs, there are more guys that I like going uh, with a zero RB approach. Guys, I mean, if you can get, if Najee Harris is slipping to the fifth round or you can end up with Cam Akers or Damian Pierce at value, I kind of like that more than the guys in this range on the wide receiver front. At the same time, I do think there are a couple of guys in this range who are being uh, undervalued a little bit. Uh, Marquise Brown, for instance, is going to get a ton of targets in Arizona. Michael Pittman, likewise, in Indianapolis. And I think too often we worry about the situation and the quarterback, but if they're just going to be pumped with targets, it overcomes a lot of that. And then a guy who I think is just being drafted way too late uh, is Gabe Davis, who was going as wide receiver 25 last season. Uh, he's fallen out of the top 35 this season, basically because he was hurt last year. I'll piggyback off that, Jay, and say George Pickens is my guy in that mold. Mm. He's, he's going too late. Kenny Pickett loves him. There's a connection there. He fits Pickett's play style. This guy was a round one talent that fell to round two because of a lot of different circumstances at Georgia. I think Pickens is the guy at the end of the year will wonder, we'll sit here and wonder, go, how did Jordan Addison and Jerry Judy get drafted ahead of him? I like that call. I'm in on Pickens. I'm in on Davis. Honestly, I really like this entire tier. And this is, to me, this is a tier. If we can bring that tier back up, if you just bring that graphic up uh, quickly for one more second, read through it, but just like Hollywood Brown, Jerry Judy, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, Jordan Addison, Jahan Dotson, Cortland Sutton, Gabe Davis, George Pickens, Brandon Cooks, JSN, and Jacoby Myers. Like all these guys, like if you, if you enter your draft, you get an elite wide receiver, you get your quarterback, you know, one or two, then, you, then you're doing running backs for a little bit, and then you're coming back around. These are all like 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th round guys for the most part. I mean, Jacoby Myers is going to the 13th, but these are, these are guys that I think are really interesting. You mentioned Marquise Brown. One guy that we haven't talked about at all, and I think is very underrated, is Michael Pittman. Like, Michael Pittman's oh. a good wide receiver, and I get it. He was bad last year for where he was drafted, right? I mean, like, again... The bat, you know, he had only two games with over 20 fantasy points. The Colts were a disaster last year. And I get it that Anthony Richardson is still developing as a passer. But Michael Pittman had a 25% target share. And again, you talk about situations where he's the only guy. Like, while we think Anthony Richardson will be raw as a passer and make some mistakes, like, he's not going to be worse than Sam Ellinger was last year. He's not going to be worse than Matt Ryan was last year. Like, there's going to be some mistakes from Richardson, but they're still, they're going to throw. 
they are going to throw. That's the thing about Richardson is because of his athleticism, people think he's just going to be like, you remember Lamar Jackson's rookie year where all he did was run. Literally, like, they never even let him pass his rookie year. They think he's Justin Fields, That's honestly. right. That's but, what people are thinking, and I, I think that's totally off base. Correct. Talk about this. Like, he's, he's more of a pocket passer he, than people realize. He wanted to throw in college. There were instances where he would actually stay in the pocket or try to recreate the pocket so much longer than he had to. And I remember Sims and I were joking about this. He's such a freak. It's like, just take off. You're in the SEC. Just take right. off and run for 80 yards because you're bigger and faster and stronger than everyone. In the NFL, I think that actually helps him translate better because there are a lot of times where you're not going to beat the linebacker to the sideline. And I think he has the right coaching to know when to hang in and throw and when to not. And that helps Michael Pittman because he's the guy working back to the ball when the play breaks down. Yeah. And last year, I mean, it, with everything going wrong around him, Michael Pittman still had 141 targets last year. And then the year before, which also, the year before, Jonathan Taylor, they were feeding him. He was having one of the greatest seasons of all time. Frank Reich, by the end of the year, had no confidence whatsoever in Carson Wentz. And Michael Pittman still had 129 targets and finished as a top 20 wide receiver. So, yeah, I, I think he's he's hugely underrated. Yeah, I just, you know, like this is a guy that was like going as like, I want as a top 15 wide receiver last year as we see him score a touchdown here um, against the Texans because, you know, everyone <laughs> scores against uh, the Texans. Um, oh, no, there's the Jets. Oh, it was the, your Jets. <laughs> no Sorry. one scores against so, yeah. my yeah, Jets. No, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, look at this. But, like, just, again, the separation that he gets, I, I don't know. I, I just – Michael Pittman is somebody that I think in this range is, is really interesting. That Again, Marquise Brown, again, bad teams, but somebody that's going to get massive, massive volume and – they're professional quarterbacks. Like, you know, whatever it is. Like, whatever you think of Richardson as a passer this year, whatever you think of, like, Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon or whoever ends up starting for, for the Cardinals. The big like, secret, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Competitive advantage. Yeah. Whatever. Um, you know, love my commanders in week one, by the way, at home against whoever that is. Yeah. By the way, sneaky defense pick up there in week one. I just – yeah, I mean, I just think they're really talented players. I'm, I'm in a guillotine league. I just – literally the other night I did a 17-team guillotine league. So if, if people are – for very quickly, a guillotine league is you, uh, you draft like you normally do and you start a lineup. You don't play head-to-head. But at the end of uh, – on, on, on Tuesday morning, after all the games have been played, whoever, whatever team is the lowest-scoring team gets cut mm-hmm. from the league forever and all their players go back into the free agent pool. And so – and you just keep doing that until there's only one team remaining. Yeah. So that's why it's 17 teams because you got 18 weeks, right? You keep doing that. So in that league – you want nothing but floor. Yep. And so, like, my, I've drafted Michael Pittman in that league. That's why I'm bringing it up because, like, like that's a floor guy. Like, I drafted Marquise Brown as well in that league. It's a 17-team league. You know what I mean? But, uh, like, you just you want floor guys, right? Here's my other big piece of advice anyone doing a guillotine league, especially one that deep. You want an advantage at tight end. Tight, that's yeah. what, You can't take a zero at right. tight end. There's so few good tight ends in the league. That's where you can't take a zero because, again, one bad week. And you're chopped. Yep. But it's a great, it's a great fun. And by the way, if you've never played a guillotine league, I would highly recommend it. You can go to guillotineleagues.com if you want to want to play it. That's where they do this format. And um, anyway, it's it's an. We should do one here for the, the happy hour staff. Yeah, let's do it. The it's last really thing, fun. It's a really fun format. Last thing on Michael Pittman. He's only 25 years old. Uh, he was picked 34 in 2020. It feels like he's 29. I know. He just yeah. doesn't. He's 25. So he also has just upside to just get better. As we jump into our last tier for today, tier six, this is where we kind of talk late round flyers, late round targets here. 
Uh, Barry, who are some guys on this list that's kicked off by Quentin Johnson? This is a very, very long list, but kicked off by the likes of Quentin Johnson. A lot of young players that have yet to break out and some old players that are trying to hold on to their careers as Yeah, well. I'll mention a couple of guys real quickly. A lot of guys on, the, on this list, right? You know, and just to read through them for people that are listening. But, you know, Johnston, Bateman, Traylon Burks, Zay Flowers, Michael Thomas, ha-ha, <laughs> uh, Jay, Sky Moore, Zay Jones, Tyler Boyd, Juju Smith-Schuster, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Tony, Alan Lazard, Nico Collins, Romeo Dobbs, Marvin Mims, Rasheed Rice, Darnell Mooney, K.J. Osborne. Rashad Bateman, I've talked about him. I think everyone's talking about uh, Zay Flowers and OBJ. I actually think Bateman, who had a 24% target share from Lamar Jackson last year, I think has a chance to be that guy. He earns targets. It's all small sample size, but I do think people are sleeping on Bateman a little bit. Sky Moore, we've talked about, played in the preseason week two, played 100% of the snaps with Patrick Mahomes. Um, he had, he had only three games last year where he ran 15 or more routes, but he got six targets in two of those three games. Like, he earns targets. Uh, I do know that they like Sky more quite a bit in Kansas City, especially with Kadarius Toney banged up. And then Marvin Mims. Again, we, we've talked about this. Sean Payton went to Denver, and he knew he had Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Tim Patrick, and Greg Dulcich, and still went out and spent a second-round pick on Marvin Mims. And now, obviously, Hamler... Patrick are out for the year. Jerry Judy is banged up. I like I like Marvin Mims quite a bit this year. Yep. Connor, what do you think of Romeo Dobbs this year? Because last year, this time, he was getting all the hype in the world. It's like, oh, is he going to be the wide receiver one on the Packers? And then it just never really happened. It seemed like he had some drop issues. Like, what can we expect from him this year? Yeah, the drops and also the health, a big thing. I mean, this is somebody coming out of Nevada. It was very raw, but also a great deep threat for that offense. And I think he projects perfectly as a number three in a solid offense, but was kind of amplified into a bigger role than he was ready for. So it's all about staying healthy with him. It feels like a lot of people say about Connor, too, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Amplified into a bigger role than he was ready for. But what? it's all right. It's good. But here, here you I, are. Here, here I am. Here Romeo Dobbs of Happy Hour. Great yeah. health from Connor, though. Great health. Great health. Yeah. I'm here every great day. Health. Yeah. Great health. Yeah, great yes. hair. You're yes. here every day. Yeah. 15 minutes That's early. Quality, quality uh, wardrobe. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're, you're punctual. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Really good. High at, floor. High floor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We the ceiling is Avoids hits like yeah. Tyler Lockett. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Avoids hits. Mm. Yeah, Jim uh, Rat. Report. Jim Rat. <laughs> you're constantly, you work, constantly working out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe sneaky athletic. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Very sneaky. High character as well. Thank you. Good locker room guy. Yeah. He's a good locker room guy. That's what I'm already on the Patriots. Yeah. It's amazing how that works out. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, Jay, you know what time it is. As we do with the primers, we do a little betting preview mixed in with these. It's a nice way to kind of look at the lay of the land and what the markets expect. So most regular season receiving yards is where we kick this thing off. There is no surprise who the top two guys are. Justin Jefferson at plus 550, Jamar Chase at plus 600. And then it kind of opens up from there, Jay. So how do you evaluate this market from the top and maybe something off the board? Yeah. So, guys, Michael Thomas is 60 to 1. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown, I know I don't want to suck up to Matthew, but he's 35 to Let's 1, go. which to me is a little bit too long. I mean, he's so long that he's not even on the board. Like, Amon Ross St. Brown has more upside, I think, than guys like A.J. Brown to lead the league in passing yards as the number one option on an elite offense. We've talked about it a lot, but his schedule is so friendly in terms of not having to play in the cold, which Jared Goff hates, in the back end of the season. Uh, another long shot who I like, just because of the upside and the variance, Calvin Ridley's 50-1. to 1. Calvin Ridley, I think, has the scope and the talent where if it just clicks, he could potentially do that. But it's going to be pretty hard going past Jam- uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, Cooper Cup, and then Tyreek Hill, who was the front runner in this market for a lot of last season, plus 900. But I would look a bit further down the board at, about, at guys like Amon Ra and I'm Ridley. Gonna, I'm just going to say, I'm sitting there looking at Stefan Diggs at, at 20 to 1, right? I mean, like, sure. like he is... He, we have yet to see like that magical, crazy season from Stefan Diggs. Like he's he's had flashes of it. Every right? year it's just fourteen hundred yards, ten yeah. touchdowns. Very, well, very good. Year. Right, never no, no, the very, best. Very, very, very. But I'm just saying, like there's a like the Bills haven't fully put it together yet, right? We, we keep waiting for the and maybe this is the year that they all put it together. And like, I mean, Diggs has the talent and the quarterback and the scheme to be a two thousand yard receiver. I'm not saying he's going to. Right, it's much more likely that he's in the fourteen, fifteen hundred range. But like. If things go right, if Gabe Davis becomes a thing and suddenly starts drawing some talent, like again, like Stefan Diggs is somebody that, you know, has th- there there are things in there that wouldn't it wouldn't be crazy for Stefan Diggs to lead the NFL in receiving yards and twenty to one strikes me as a little bit too high. hundred percent. And I think like it doesn't make any sense to me that Jamar Chase is like ten to one to an offensive player of the year and Stefan Diggs is like forty to one. Like that's right. too far apart for those guys. The only thing with Diggs and what gives me pause it's just the weather in Buffalo in the second half of the season. And every year, they just lose one game in terms of statistical production. A couple of years ago, it was the Patriots game and the crazy wind, yes. which is like, oh, well, we just can't throw the ball at all. There's always a snow game. So that would be the one thing. But if he can just run good a little bit on the weather front, then he's absolutely got the talent to do that. Let's jump into the receiving touchdowns leaders here. That has also led uh, Jamar Chase is at the top of this one at plus 400. Travis Kelsey gets a big bump in this range at plus 500, Jay. Followed by Cooper Cup, who's only at plus 550. And then after Cup is when the board kind of begins to open up. Yeah, so the big difference between this and the previous market is Travis Kelsey, uh, who just has so much more touchdown equity, but perhaps not the upside to actually lead the league in passing yards. Uh, the guy who's interesting to me among the favorites is Devontae Adams is 14 to 1. Yeah. Devontae Adams has had double-digit touchdowns six of the past seven years. Obviously, uh, a lot of that was with Aaron Rodgers. But he had 14 touchdowns last season. And I think... The reason why he's so low here is just the thought that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get injured at some point and then it drops off a lot. But I don't know. I think that he's just going to get pumped with targets and I think that he is a guy uh, who could do it. And then not even listed here is Tyreek Hill, who's 22-1 to as well, where I think that Tyreek Hill, people think of him because he didn't have that many touchdowns last year, but he does have a 15-touchdown season on his resume. So I think he has got a guy with upside to do this as well. I'll tell you one guy that really jumps out to me on this list is, you know, you talk about all the touchdowns that Devon. Devontae Adams scored so many years. Well, because the guy that thrown to him was Aaron Rodgers. How about the guy Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to this year? That's Garrett Wilson, who's 22 to 1. 
plus 2200 here. And just, I think that Rodgers, for a variety of reasons, one, because he's the best player on the team, but also because he wants to show the New York media, like, he, and he also wants to, he wants his own stats. Like, how many times did you see the Packers come up to, like, the three-yard line? There's A.J. Dillon in the backfield, and you're like, oh, here we go up the middle. And then Aaron Rodgers just kind of looks over and puts you his know, arm up. Just yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then Devontae Adams runs a quick, you know, quick slant, and then boom, touchdown, 17. And, like, I just I, – I, I could see Garrett Wilson getting a lot of those cheap kind of touchdowns. If Aaron Rodgers wanted to make him his Devontae Adams. He's already in the press, compared him to Devontae Adams, like – there's a scenario where Garrett Wilson just has a monster season because Aaron Rodgers wants that to happen for a variety of reasons. Yeah, there's some value with him at plus 2,200 because as Chase is the favorite, I mean, he plays an offensive T. Higgins, who's phenomenal yeah. in the red area. Same with A.J. Brown, who plays with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. For the Jets, it's Garrett Wilson out of the pass catchers in yeah. the red area, and you even heard Rodgers go up to him after that touchdown against the Giants, and he said first of many. So he's, he's been pretty yeah. vocal about what he thinks Garrett Wilson can do. All right, let's look at regular season receptions. No surprise that Cooper Cup is at the top of this one, Jay, plus 500. Of course, Jamar Chase always hovering around along with Justin Jefferson, plus 600 and plus 650. And then once again, you get a board that starts to even out a little bit more. Yeah, Cup is deservedly the favorite. I mean, that is, uh, there are other elements to it, but the biggest component of that is just him staying healthy. If he plays 17 games, then he is a big favorite to take that home. Again, Amon Ra, 18 to 1. I was just going to say, too, like, too big on. for mine. C.D. Lamb as well, 20 to 1. C.D. Lamb was like three receptions off being eight. fourth last year. Yeah, eights was four off. Uh, so I don't mind him either. But uh, but Amon Ra at 18 fierce. to 1, come on. Who are we kidding you here? take offense to that? No. I do take offense <laughs> to that. I'm like, I'm happy to it. I'm, I'm going to bet that. I'm going to bet right. that heavily. Yeah. Like, I, but oh, I like uh, it. he's going to get a massive target share. Yep. And as you talked about, again, the thing you talked about with Diggs, we've talked about this a lot, but like you talked about with Diggs towards the end of the season having to deal with some bad weather. Amon Ra won't have that. He will be indoors. Seven of their final eight games are played in a dome. Lions going to... Lions are going to have a fun offense this year. With this market in particular, you need guys who are number one wide receiver options who don't have another guy stealing from them. That's why I don't like Jamar Chase because of T. Higgins. You want guys like Cooper Cup, like Amon Ra St. Brown, like Devontae Adams, guys who don't have that competition. I don't like Tyree Kill in that market, even though he finished second, just because Jalen Waddle's so good. And you're not going to be force-feeding like Stafford is to Cup. What are Chris Olave's odds? He's 35-1 to for both uh, receiving yards and receptions, I believe. And he's a guy I like as well. But Connor, does he have... Does he have the frame to really absorb that kind of workload? Because he's a bit smaller than... That was always the question with him, is how is he going to take contact in the middle of the field? You knew he can win off the line of scrimmage and down the field. You'd like to throw him more screens, but I think you do worry about that. And the thing with him, why I'm against him for yards, is he's not great after the catch. He's great, but phenomenal before the catch. He's not a big creator after the catch. So I would look for receptions with Alave, not yards. Yep, 35 to 1. There we go. I like it. All right, the final weekend of draft season is upon us, and what better way to spend it than with us? There are two fantasy football happy hour marathons this weekend, including a monster 16-hour marathon on Saturday, beginning at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Peacock. Watch all 16 hours. Prove to us that you've watched all 16 hours. Tweet at me, at Connor J. Rogers, at Croucher JD. Show us some sort of proof, whether it's a time... Time time lapse. Time lapse video, something like that. Uh, prove to us that you've watched all 16 episodes. Maybe a screenshot of you in front of each episode. You know, <laughs> so you, we know that, you know, like, uh, we can, you know, 16 frames or something like that. And uh, you will drink free at the happy hour, and we will put your picture up somewhere here in the bar. We're taking our first break. When we're back, the wide receiver primer continues with Draft Strategy. 
And who are you taking with your second pick here? Your best receiver on the board, I take it? You know what? Normally, I take Devontae Adams, but I'm representing Team Fantasy Life. Matthew Berry's ride or die. Amon Ross St. Brown. Let's go. Uh, do you get a residual for that pick, by the way? <laughs> I wish, man. I wish. <laughs> Rotor World Draft Week is officially here all week long. We've got drafts, articles, and more from all your favorite Roto World talent and special guests. Get all you need to dominate your upcoming fantasy drafts. Go to NBCSports.com fantasy to see the schedule of all that is happening this week. Guys, before we get into more wide receiver talk, something that's been happening this morning while we've been recording is that Jeff Wilson Jr. of the Miami Dolphins has been placed on the short-term IR. He's dealing with a midsection injury plus a finger issue. So uh, Wilson Jr. banged up. They felt like it was too much for him to get any work going into the season. That is from head coach Mike McDaniel. And I think the big question is, with Devon Chain expected to practice before week one, and Raheem Mostert now being the guy, what kind of bump there is in that backfield? Yeah, I think it's a big bump for, for Mostert. Raheem must start our uh, friend of the podcast here. Savan Ahmed suddenly has fantasy <laughs> value here because, right, I mean, they, um, you know, they released Miles Gaskin. And it also, by the way, explains the Jonathan Taylor interest, right? I mean, that, this oh. explains the Jonathan. I mean, not that you need a reason to be interested in Jonathan Taylor if you're a team that's trying to win this year, but it explains that more so. And I, I still wouldn't completely rule that out again. It is a shame because Jeff Wilson Jr. is a great player, but health has always been an issue throughout his career. It strikes again. But I think, I think Mostert is like now in that, you know, I'm looking, I'm sort of looking at my, in my, uh, in my rankings here. And I think he's like, I think like, like I have A.J. Dillon at 36, Zach Charbonnet at 37, Jalen Warren at 38. Like, I think he's in that range, right? You know, I mean, Samaj P. Ryan at 35. I think I still prefer P. Ryan, but like, He's in that mid-30s range of a guy that could be a starter. Like, let me put it this way. If you're drafting Jamal Williams, you should, you should be drafting Raheem Mostert ahead of Jamal Williams. If you're like, well, I'm going to get three good games out of Jamal Williams before Kamara shows up, like, you could get even more. If, if Mostert, pardon the pun, but if Mostert takes this job and runs with it, even Wilson comes back. Like, it's hard to see, you know, Mostert losing carries. Like, they'll still be somewhat of a committee, but, like, most will be the head of it. I mean, he was in a committee last year, and he was RB25. Uh, and the fact that he's going outside the top 45, he was already going too late in drafts. And now the fact that, I mean, he's been going out after Elijah Mitchell and Ezekiel Elliott and Damian Harris. Like, I already liked him more than those guys. And now he has, he could produce, while Wilson is out, he could produce top 15 The value. issue is A-chain. That was, I think, the reason he's going so late is not just the injury history and Wilson there. But because they used it, because not only they used a third round pick on Devon A. Chain, but they they moved up, right? They moved up to get him, right? And I know yeah. Mike McDaniel, like said, I was he was standing on the table to draft Devon A. Chain. That's his guy, and for A. Chain now, who dealt with the shoulder injury this summer, I think it's a little bit of a surprise that he's going to be able to practice before Week One, which makes it a little bit more complicated. But there's absolutely value on Mostert. When we did the running back primer a couple of days ago, Jeff Wilson was going 20 spots ahead of Raheem Mostert. So with a lot of Labor Day weekend drafts, that's bound to change. Let's jump yes. back into the wide receivers here. And I think the conversation here, Barry, as we talk draft strategy, kind of starts simple. I mean, which wide receivers have the most questions or concerns? And this can be clearly based on cost because you could sit here and talk about a wide receiver in Tier 6, and of course they have questions. But maybe some guys towards the top or in the middle that you look at and go, man, there is some risk where he's going off the board. I think we've talked about some of these guys, right? I mean um... – Drake London is one of them, right? You know, is there going to be enough passing volume for Drake London, you know, in that offense, especially now that Bijan's there and we expect him to be involved in the passing game? 
Mike Evans, you know, like, is Mike Evans who, um, is he going to get enough passing volume and, you know, is Baker going to be able to get him, get him the ball, right? I mean, we, I'm in on Michael Pittman, but he's certainly somebody that you have a question mark about, about Michael Pittman. Um, Cooper Cup, right? And we just talked about that. Can he, you know, can he stay healthy, right? Can his quarterback. Right. Can can his quarterback stay healthy as well? Again, like, like I, I would have no concerns about Cooper Cup if he hadn't gotten injured this preseason. But then he gets injured with this preseason. Like, you know, I, and I think there's, you know... Um, Calvin Ridley? You know, Calvin Ridley's massive questions about him. Like, again, we just haven't seen the guy. Like, honestly, and I think you could argue somewhat on Amari Cooper because we just don't know with, uh, with Deshaun Watson. Like, yep. you know, I mean, I think the questions isn't necessarily Cooper's talent, but it's about his quarterback. If... If Deshaun Watson is the Deshaun Watson from the last five games of last year, like, you feel a lot worse about Amari Cooper this season. Yep. What about you, Jay? Anybody stick out that you kind of go, hey, I I just don't like him at that ADP because of the quarterback or because of the health concerns or maybe even just the offense? Uh, One guy who I think me and Matthew are on opposite sides on is I'm a little bit worried about DeAndre Hopkins. And it's not like he's going super high, but just between, you know, he's older, he's on a new team, that offensive line is a mess. And I wouldn't be shocked if Will Levis or Malik Willis is in there at some point just because Tannehill gets hurt, it seems like, every year. And he's behind the, the worst offensive line in football, arguably. Uh, and also, obviously, Derrick Henry is going to get a ton of work. So I just I don't feel great about DeAndre Hopkins just with all those things swirling. Uh, but Ridley, to me, is, is a really interesting one because last time he was fully fit, he was wide receiver five. Uh, that was also in 2020. Uh, which is three years yeah. ago uh, by my math. So he is someone who, he has been rocketing up draft boards in terms of ADP all, all offseason. I think now we're at the point where I, I don't think he's a value where he's going as wide receiver 16 going in the mid-30s. I think it's probably, I don't think that's, that's absurdly overvalued, but I'm not coming out of many drafts with Calvin Ridley at this point. Yeah, the, uh, to me, the two other questions aren't necessarily player-based, but really like sort of who is the guy-based, which is like, we know there's going to be a very good fantasy wide receiver on Baltimore. We just, we're just not right. sure who it's going to be. We know there's going to be a really good fantasy wide receiver in Kansas City. We're just not sure who it's going to be. Like, I think it's going to be Sky Moore, and I've, I've said I'm placing my bets with Rashad Bateman in Baltimore, but like, it wouldn't shock me if the leading receiver there is Beckham or Zay Flowers, or in Kansas City if it's MVS or Rasheed Rice or Kadarius Toney. You know, like, there's, obviously it's going to be Kelsey, but like, there will be a productive fantasy wide receiver on the Chiefs' offense on the Ravens offense and we're just not sure who those guys are and then also same with same with Seattle on some level like we like Lockett we think he's underrated Metcalf is Metcalf but what does JSN do to that offense and so you know I think there's some questions there as well last one I'll say is uh is Pittsburgh where we're all projecting a leap forward from Kenny Pickett and that he will be able to support uh Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and Pat Frymouth uh all being fantasy viable but like we still have to see it from Kenny Pickett because even though he showed a lot of good signs towards the end of last year it's not like he was putting up absurd volume he wasn't passing for 350 yards a game or anything like that that's a projection forward based on how young he is and what he's shown but we still haven't seen it yet Let's look at the top 10 from last year, uh, the top 10 for PPR, as we always get into some scoring rankings as well. And with running backs, we discussed how much there could be a little bit of a difference with half PPR and PPR. With wide receivers, guys, these are the top 10 that finished for PPR. It's the same top 10 for half PPR, and six of the players remained in the same spot. So, Barry, even with the scoring change, not a massive difference of the names that appear at the top. No, just so people that are listening and can't see – uh, the graphic that we're showing here on uh, the NFL and NBC YouTube channel or on Peacock, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams was three, Stefan Diggs was four, 
Uh, CeeDee Lamb was five, AJ Brown six, Amon Ross St. Brown seven, Jalen Waddle eight, Devontae Smith is nine, Jay Croucher, you were right, I was wrong, and Amari Cooper was 10th. This is total points. Now we jump to half PPR here. And Justin Jefferson leads the way, followed by Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. A.J. Brown was at five. C.D. Lamb at six. Jalen Waddle at seven. Amon Ross, Sam Brown, Mr. Ryder Dyer at eight. Devontae Smith stays at nine. And Amari Cooper at ten. Uh, to me, what jumps out the most there is just the year that Jalen Waddle had, which I think right. got completely overshadowed by Tyree Kill um, being such a supernova. But Jalen Waddle, seventh and a half PPR, eighth in PPR. And he's also just so young. Tyreek Hill is older, and so there's more scope, I think, for Jalen Waddle to make improvements. Also, Tyreek really burnt down towards the end of the year. He's playing banged up. He wasn't the same guy the last mm-hmm. month. There is a, I think there is a decent chance that Jalen Waddle outperforms Tyreek Hill. Certainly wouldn't make that the favorite, but, but that's on the cards. Which kind of transitions us to the next topic of drafting two wide receivers on the same team. Obviously, something that is not going to be popular in drafts, Jay, and there are teams where you have guys that are supported, right? And as we show the highest drafted wide receiver teammates, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, no surprise there. Chase has wide receiver two, T. Higgins has wide receiver 13. Hill and Waddle, we know what those two guys are capable of. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams that now have Quentin Johnston in that wide receiver room as well, the first-round rookie. And then Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So those are the most popular top five pairings. Barry, is it almost taboo to draft you know, two wide receivers in the same room in most drafts, or sometimes does the value just force you into it? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Now, this is for a single season, you know, home leagues, right? Like yeah. if you're in a large best ball tournament or something like that, then you want, or just some sort of large format where you want variants, where you have to try, you know, then then you try to stack those those players and try to, you know, do something, do a kind of a weird or unique roster build. But in this particular case. No, I'm not actively trying to get guys from the same team. Having said that, I'm also not avoiding it. Like, we do think Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wilder are going to have good years. We do think Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. We do think, um, you know, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. So, like, if the draft falls to me where I'm drafting both those guys, like, yeah, sure. Like, they don't know, you're, they're, that, they're, they don't know that they're both on your fantasy team. Like, A.J. Brown's going to have a good year. Devontae Smith's going to have a good year. No issue if they're both on your team. Again, you just have to be a little bit wary of buys, and it just in what it does is, is it, it increases risk on both sides, right? It, it increases reward because in games in which the Eagles are killing people, right? Then both guys are going to go off, right? Which is awesome. And then if there's a game where it's just like not in their not their day, then you're getting two zeros or two low scores. So it does tie it a little bit together. There's a little bit less variance, if you will, but I'm okay with it. Again, like. They don't know that you're, they're on your fantasy team. Draft good players. And if they happen to be on the same NFL team, they happen to be on the same NFL team. I think it depends most on the quarterback. Joe Burrow can clearly support two elite fantasy wide receivers. Uh, Justin Herbert, I think, has shown that he could do that 2021 in 5,000 passing yards. Tua Tagovailoa did it last year when he was playing, and that team throws the ball so much, and they're so explosive that he can probably do it again. Uh, so, but you, you want faith in the offense. You want faith in the skank. By the way, and that speaks to, you know, as we were talking earlier in the show about Gabe Davis, right? Yep. Josh Allen, we believe Josh Allen has that ability to do that, right? So Josh Allen does um, have that ability. Jalen Hurts does too. Yeah. So do, apparently so does Brock Purdy. Like we're believing right. in we're believing yeah. in Debo and Ayuk. We are. You know, yeah. we're, it's more we're more about Kyle Shanahan's offense. Sure. But 
Whatever. We're hoping Kenny Pickett could do it. We are. We are I mean, they're not elite wide receivers, but they are draft-worthy wide receivers. Oh, Sam Especially Howell's going to do it. Another with, example. Uh, Terry McLaurin and uh, Jahan Dotson. Yeah. Come on. At cost, <laughs> Jay. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, we Come love on. Sam Howell. Yeah. Come on. At cost. At cost, Sam Howell, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, all yeah. value picks this year. Hail the Commanders, hail victory. Barry, you kind of touched on this yes, with it obviously being best ball strategy, but in redraft leagues – Obviously, handcuffs are very popular at the running back position, but does it exist at wide receiver, especially when there might be a promising rookie that just put is pushed down the depth chart, or is that not too common at this position? It's not nearly as common that there's kind of an insurance player that you can draft for your elite guy. Like, and it's only in super rare cases, right? You're more often likely you're likely better to go get somebody else than, but right, you know, like, like here's my thing, like if. Like, if I drafted Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, I'm not necessarily drafting Josh Palmer, even though last year we knew that, like, when either one of those guys was out, Josh Palmer was great. Because you need, you know what I mean? Like, if you have Keenan Allen and then Mike Williams is out, Josh Palmer doesn't do you any good, right? I mean, or I guess he does because now he's, he's viable because Mike Williams is out, and you could start both those guys. But I don't know. There's, there's a few situations where you know that there's a backup wide receiver that will get more run if somebody in front of them um, uh, goes down. Right, but generally speaking, I think your wide receiver is so deep, and there's these guys. That I would rather take a flyer like on a rookie that'll explode in the second half, or somebody that just needs you know an opportunity. Yeah, I think what the wide receiver position and the wide receiver depth charge is more convoluted as well, where it's not just like for like. Often it depends on matchups. Some an X receiver goes down, or the you know a new X receiver is just going to come in and take all of the work from Jamar Chase. Like no, not necessarily. The offense will change as well, as opposed to if Travis Etienne goes down, then Tank Beasley is going to be the guy immediately. So uh, running back is a lot simpler in that regard. Yeah. We're going to take our last break. When we're back, it's last call. We might have let the people decide who Barry's going to root for in the Big Ten. No promises, but he will decide when we're back. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The people have spoken, Matthew. They yes. want you to be a fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, well, the... <laughs> so yeah, now well, you have to be a fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh. Well, no, you don't. no that's, that's, that's one piece of uh, input. Uh, the <laughs> Iowa, what happened is, is that Iowa, the official team account, mm-hmm. they retweeted it. So we appreciate the engagement from, uh, from Iowa. So that's why the polls are so skewed. But then Penn State, like, is this even a fair debate? Hashtag we are. Uh, and that's, you know, Penn State Blake, obviously, you know, he's doing my research. If yes. I don't pick Penn State, you know, maybe I've got a bunch of wrong stats. That's good point. SVP chimed in. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my, uh, my colleague, my former colleague and my friend Scott Van Pelt texts me, tweets me and says, plenty of room for you on the Turk train. I know a guy at RJ Bentley's and can sort you out there. The others are too easy. We will make it painful, but the joy will be that much sweeter. Think it over. That's SVP coming in. So I've thought about it. Here's the thing, and thought about it. Uh, no one tweeted at me from Michigan, so they're off. We're not doing Michigan. It's tough. Yeah, so there was no convincing. Michigan's also too good. I, you know, sure, they're the favorite. And, and it's, by, it's in the same state as East Lansing. So, again, we've got to do that. Border there. Um, I appreciate the efforts of, uh, of the Penn State, you know, 
team there and and of Blake, but um, no. I don't like the hat, to be honest with you. Just, yeah, they have other logos. Yeah, yeah, they have other logos, yeah. but, you know, I'm not there. So now it's, yeah, now it's Iowa or Maryland. I will say this, you know, I lived in Virginia until I was 12 years old. That's why I'm a Commanders fan. I'm a diehard fan of, of, of the state's teams. Um, and, uh, and my kids' lacrosse team won the state title this year, as you guys know. Um, Cheshire, Cheshire Lacrosse. And one of our plays that was constantly called out was Turtle. That was just, you know, the coach would call it all these plays. So Turtle became a running joke among all the parents because uh, when we would call that particular play. So I have to go with Decisions the Terps. Made. I'm sorry, <laughs> pa- fans. I appreciate the input. But ultimately, I am a lifelong diehard fan of the Maryland Terrapins. Go Terps. I got to, someone get me a crab cake. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Go Maryland. Scott Van Pelt convinced me. Let's go. Perfect Hail the, the Terps. Yeah, Hail good, victory. Good news. They're only 80 to 1 to win the Big Ten this year. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, hey, so tell me there's a chance. Tell me there's a chance. It is what it is. I'm, I'm, you know what? Like <laughs> anyone could. Like I know you would have picked Ohio State. I picked Michigan. Front runner. I picked yes. Michigan. Yeah, there yes. you go. I like, the, I like the plucky underdog. That's why I'm yeah, a Yankees fan on the Michigan. Yeah. We'll save this for Penn State, Blake. You want an Iowa hat? Yeah, I, I, you know what? They, they campaigned so hard. They yeah. campaigned so hard. We love, we love Iowa here. This is a pro-Iowa set. Um, uh, we, like all, we actually like all these schools. We're thrilled for the Big Ten. We're excited for Big Ten football on NBC and, uh, and Peacock. I understand uh, our own Jake Crouch will be doing some stuff with the Big Ten, right? That's right. Yep, doing Jake the pregame show. Doing so the pregame, okay. some, uh, getting your pregame bets in with our friend Jake Crouch over there. And this the was Big perfect Ten. timing. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow is the 19th annual College Colors Day. Wear your team colors and share photos with the hashtag, hashtag College Colors Day, and head to collegecolorsday.com for a chance to win tickets to this year's national title game. There you go. So you can support your team. I know the Iowa fans wanted maybe more celebrity, but they got me. <laughs> they got you. You got yeah. Connor Rogers. Yeah, not bad. But by the way, that's the I other thing. Is like the, I, I believe that the only famous Maryland alum slash fan is Scott Van Pelt. So I could be number two. I think I'm I'm officially the second most famous Maryland Terrapin fan. It's very wise. interesting. Yeah. Am Clyde, I wrong? Can, Someone tweeted me. That. Who's more famous than me that's a Terps fan? <laughs> Van Pelt is, 100%. I'm second to Van Pelt. Dica- but I'm just, DiCaprio? No, I don't know. DiCaprio's not a fan. <laughs> All right. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay and Connor, I'm Matthew. Go Terps! Go Terps!